Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, April the 18th, 2018. 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day. And we're off to another happy start today. Um, I, I do have one announcement that I want to make, and it may not sound happy, but it's happy for Tom and I. Um, Tuesday nights, we've been doing the podcast to uh, encourage people to call in, and we did get some call-ins for a while. But uh, I think the interest in that kind of waned a bit. So we're going to suspend the Tuesday night podcast for some time now. It gives both Tom and I our, our evening back. And uh, Tom's actually in the middle of uh, having to find a new place. He has to move out of his current condo by the end of, of May because the owner is selling it. So uh, you know he needs the time to do that. And I need the time to work on the book and to recover and spend time with Louise. So, you know, we'll get back to it at some point. I'm sure once we get the uh, numbers even higher than they are now, I suspect we're going to have more demand for it. But for now, we're going to suspend the Tuesday night podcast. And I'm looking at that as a good thing because now I have more time. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you know, congratulations on on following, you know, the inspiration and following. We always talk about joy and following what's feeling best. Exactly. And you did that to start it because it felt good. And then, you know, things change. And, you know, we talked about uh, last week about synchronicities and mm -hmm. sometimes how uh, a sign or a synchronicity feels so powerful that we hang on to things that we should let have let go of already oh, yeah. it doesn't mean they weren't ever the right thing but it just means right. they're not the right thing for right now so i actually think that that's that's a hard thing for me to do and when i see other people that are conscious of law of attraction um being able to say okay no nope, it's not working right now we're gonna you know not to say we should be wishy-washy and not committed to things but that's not the case here you just realize that if no one's you know listening live well, at least not, not calling in to be doing it at a, at a specific time. Yeah. So you can do it when you want it. That's yeah. the beauty of what we do. <laughs> and there have been live listeners. It's just that nobody was calling in, which means really right. it's not needed right now for that purpose. Because that's why we started doing the Tuesday night podcast in the first place, because we wanted to make it easier for people who couldn't call in during the day to have an, an evening hour to call in. But if they're not calling in, then clearly the need isn't there. So, okay, well, that uh, obviates the need for the Tuesday night podcast. Will that always be the case? I, actually, I don't think so. I think we're going to reach the point where we're doing a show 24-7, but we're not there yet. And until we get there, well, Tom and I get our time back. <laughs> yeah, and when you let go of something, you open space, not just yes. time space, but emotional space and energetic space mm. or some other thing to come in. So good for you for yeah. you know being able to do that. Well, exactly. That's exactly what happens. you know. And just because we close one door doesn't mean another one doesn't open. It always does. Every time. Always. Yeah. Always. I remember uh, somebody saying in my hearing years and years ago something about, and I kind of ab adopted this as a pretty strong belief that I want to remind myself of, and that is that every big shift comes after a big letting go. Mm. Boy, and is that the so case. often when people are feeling stuck in their life in, in whatever area, um, it's because there's something they can't let go of and that thing needs to be let go of in order for a big shift to happen. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so look out, Walt. <laughs> yeah, right. Something's going to come along. Right. Well, we already know that's true. There are a lot of big things on the horizon. Oh, so. there are. Yeah, Wonderful. no doubt about that. So how are <laughs> you doing? I mean, have you, anything new in the last 24 hours? Well, what's new in the last week and then the last 24 hours especially is that in the past year or so, maybe year and a half, I have had a lot of bouts of insomnia Ooh. and like I'll go to sleep and then I, and I never have trouble falling asleep. I mean, my head hits the pillow and I'm out. <laughs> but then four hours later, I might wake up and realize, oh, I'm wide awake hmm. and, and then be awake. And so days in a row like that, oh my goodness, the way it affects you to not have good sleep. And then I would get a good night of sleep and feel like a million bucks the next day and feel like, oh my goodness, I'm like a new person. I feel like superwoman, like I could take on the world. And if I only get a couple good nights and I'm back to the insomnia again, it's like, oh, and it's not been, it's been a lot better lately. Mm -hmm. um, but I think last Tuesday night 
wasn't really great. Well, ever since last Tuesday night, I don't know what I've done differently. Well, I have been just focusing on what I want and pivoting about it and talking about why I want to sleep well and not having that story in my head about, oh, I didn't sleep well. <laughs> um, so I'm sure that played into it. But for the last five nights, I've slept all night. <laughs> and wow. It's like kind of kind of a miracle. You know, if you've been a mom and raised kids um, and nursed babies and, you know, there's always been some reason why I've never really slept all the way through the <laughs> night, but, yeah. uh, but I've usually not had a trouble going back to sleep. And that's been the thing for the past maybe year. And so maybe I'm done with that cycle. I, I can let go of that easily um, <laughs> because, wow, it's just amazing. You know, we were made to our body when we get into a certain level of REM sleep, that's when our physical body heals itself and when our everything, you know, gets fresh. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and when you don't get that, it yep. can really be hard on us. As a matter of fact, I've probably said this to you before, but if I have a client and this doesn't happen often, but occasionally a client will call really like having a meltdown um, in, in a panic and upset and as soon as I hear that, I always ask the person I'm speaking with, are you sleeping? And they usually say no. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them that, you know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture, mm. which is true, right? Yeah, sure. And when we are deprived of sleep, it's like nothing feels like it's working right. And so it's one of the things that when people contact me for LOA coaching, they want some magic, you know, some, and, and they've heard stories about these big, first thing I always go back to the basic, the foundational stuff. And I go, okay, first we have to talk about this. Are you taking care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Do you get enough sleep? Are you eating healthy? Do you drink enough water? Right. And that's like really boring. Like, Oh, I don't want to talk about this. I want to, I want to manifest something. I want to make some magic. And it's like, but, but you're a physical being here on planet earth. And we manifest from our foundation, which is our, our basic, you know, physical being. So we have to start there and make sure we're taking good care of ourselves. Right. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited that I'm sleeping better. That's my big win is, oh my goodness, I woke up and it was 6.15 and I had not been awake since like 10. <laughs> Fantastic. Yay. Yeah, that's great. And, and I love the fact that you gave yourself credit for doing your pivoting and for bridging and for basically shifting your attention around to what it is you want and taking it off of what you don't want. That's huge because you, you, you knew what it was. You knew you didn't want to have the, the lack of sleep and the sleep deprivation. You knew what you wanted was to feel rested. But you did what we often don't do. You actually took the mental action and you shifted your attention and you got the result. I mean, how much more could you ask for? That's great. Yeah, it's not easy to shift that attention when my mind wants to be in the habit of, you know, every time I yawn, every time I feel oh, like I didn't sleep well. I just want to say, oh my goodness, I didn't sleep. <laughs> oh, I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. that never ending story of what right. we don't want. Right. And that's why the pivot has to sort of happen over and over, right? It's like one of it those does. things, the kids are all spinning the fidget spinners yep. around and around and around and around. It's like, as soon as that story comes up, wow, I I can't believe I haven't slept again tonight. Nope, nope, nope. It's like, I would like to sleep better and start figuring out why it seems so obvious it does why. you know it's like yeah because I, I feel so much better and my energy level is better and I can think clearer and but that's what I have to stay focused on and what's funny is that when we start pivoting and start focusing on what we want there is that time buffer I mean it doesn't happen automatically instantly all the time and what always catches me by surprise is that I get in the habit of focusing, hyper-focusing on what it is that I want. And then when it happens, it's almost like I've forgotten. It's like, oh, here it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a space of time where, and I think that's the space of time that some people give up and stop. They're like, sure. well, I've been focusing on this and yeah, I've right. been, and, and it didn't happen yet. So it's not working. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, Just give it time and hold the vision and stay in the groove of alignment it'll happen yeah that's the rule isn't it i mean if, if it hasn't shown up yet you just haven't vibrated enough you just got to keep the vibration going at a bigger level right right so often we we let go yeah. i mean even when it's not 
angsty or upsetting and, oh, I'm letting go of this. Sometimes we just forget, you know, it's like mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't that important to us and eh, we move on to something else that's more exciting. I've even had that happen before where I was sort of training my focus on something and then eh, I just kind of forgot about it because I guess it wasn't, you know, a big important thing and kind of moved on to something else. And then that thing happened and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> Oh, Surprise. I forgot all about that I was trying to manifest <laughs> that. But that's usually, I think, because there's just no resistance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's not important it's enough to hold tightly to. It's not, you know, bothering me. It's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I did say that I wanted that. That's happened quite a few times. Mm-hmm. I said that I wanted something, focused on it, kind of forgot about it, moved on to something else. And then, boom, that other thing happens. Like, wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So I very think, good. Um, my friend Jeanette Ma, who's written a lot of uh, Law of Attraction books, she has one called Slacker Manifesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, I, and I haven't read that particular one. I have read quite a few of her books, which are fantastic, by the way. But I haven't read that one. But I think that's what that's about, right? That's just, quite what? a title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slacker Manifesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That is funny. Ugh. So, so what about you, Walt? What's going on that's that's exciting? Well, I've been working on the book. I was doing uh, a couple of uh, uh, cover mock-ups, trying to piece together what a good cover would look like and uh, making some progress with that. So, you know, it's coming along. Um, the book is is going to be much larger than I originally thought. It's going to be over 430 pages. I mean, just, wow. it, yeah, it's blowing me away how many pages this book has. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, just keep plowing away at it and keep, you know, taking the steps and keeping myself aligned whenever I, I'm working on it and just keep going. That, that's what my mantra has been. I did, I, now I read something today. I wanted to share this. I saw this on Facebook. It was, it was posted like about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, by a woman from, uh, from Brundislav, Denmark. Her name Denmark. is Hekate Inuka, and I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce her name. And I'm going to warn you in advance, the first part of this is really starkly painful. But I promise you, this turns into something amazing. So just bear with me as I read this, okay? Okay. It says, I know it's never a child's or anyone's fault for being molested, raped, touched, or anything like that. And she puts a little heart sign. But when I was seven, I was raped in a hotel room by a man I didn't know. And when I was 11, I was raped by a man in my school's toilet. And when I was 16, I was raped by a man when I fell asleep at a party. Today I am 26. I have been through my kind of hell, but I have forgiven them. I don't hate them anymore. I don't see them as monsters. I just know karma is eating them up with guilt from the inside, slowly killing them. Everybody tells me it wasn't your fault. It wasn't you who wanted this. You did nothing to let this happen. But I know I had the victim role planted in my mind. The everybody wants to use me mindset. My parents didn't love me the way I needed to be loved. They are alcoholics. They are abusers. They hit me from when I was three years old. My mother threw me down the stairs. I bled from my head, laying in my own blood, wanting to die, waiting to die. Being thrown to an elevator, or I'm sorry, being thrown to a radiator, a hole in my head for the second time. My dad didn't want me. Out of siblings of five, I looked the, the most like him. I even sounded like him. My eyes are rare, like him. All my siblings have brown eyes. I, on the other hand, was beaten daily, locked in a closet for days, no food, no, no toilet visits, no water. It stood for days. My mother killed me when I was 12. She strangled me and my heart stopped. And somehow I got back. It wasn't my time to die. My parents are forgiven and I love them. My mother is now clean and sober and she's recovering from many years of heart abuse. I am there for her whenever she needs me. My dad is still abusing. I haven't heard from him in two years. He still talks to my siblings. He still loves them. But today I know I am too strong for him. I am grateful for my entire life. All the sufferings, all the rapes, all the abuses, all the evil things done to me. It opened my third eye. I now have the ability to heal myself and others. Little love symbol, little heart. I now have the ability to guide myself and people. Little heart. I now have the ability of a medium to see spirits and angels. A little heart. I now know that I am a shaman, an angel in human form. Another little heart. 
I know every little thing that happened to me because happened to me happened because I attracted it to become the person I am today, little heart. I have been through hell on earth, suicide attempts, alcohol overdoses, drug overdoses, and so much more to get to this point today, little heart. I am so grateful for my life. I truly know the meaning of gratitude and thankfulness, little heart. May your day in life be as magical as it is to me. Six little hearts. Wow. Does that blow your I'm, mind or what? I'm speechless. Yeah. Sometimes it amazes me when I hear the things that that a human being can endure. <laughs> like the resilience that it has to take to survive even a fraction of what she went through. Oh, yeah. And to come through it with the attitude that she's come through. I mean, right. she made it really clear. This made her strong, so strong that none of that can touch her anymore. That she is now in love with her life. She is. She has developed herself into this amazing person. And I, I suspect that she probably sees her experiences very much the way Joel Elston sees his experiences when he was a, um, a, a gambling addict and homeless and eating out of trash cans and so forth, that he sees that as the best thing that ever happened to him because it, it was his launch pad to become a really strong person who grew in amazing ways. I hear the same thing in her story. Mm -hmm. and it's, wow. It, it's hard to read, but oh boy, oh. how powerful, how inspirational. Yeah. Wow. It's like whatever we're going through, mm. <laughs> hang in there, right? Yeah. And all of those all of those things that cause us to be uh, wounded, all of those wounds that we have, there's always a treasure somewhere in there. And it's not that we want to seek them out, but we want to seek for the treasure. We want to recognize yes. that what, what have I learned? Because whatever it is, it's going to be powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, her life... It's just unimaginable what she went through. I, I just can't even imagine that. I can't either. It's it's just, that's why I said when you were reading, I was over here, oh, I'm kind of speechless about this because it kept going on and on. It's yeah. like, really? That's not the end of it? There's more? There's more, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you read this thing the first time as I did like, uh, what was it, half an hour ago, and you're you're just stuck to it. Like, when does this end? When does all oh. this horrible, terrible stuff end? And then it ends in this glorious beauty. Like, whoa. Oh, my goodness. I was just speechless when I read it. Absolutely speechless. I'm oh. so glad that when you read it that you also read that there were little hearts everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the page and it's just filled with these little hearts. Just wow. filled with it. Well, if that's not encouraging that whatever we're going through um i can I, you know i i feel like i i can almost say with with certainty that uh, whatever we any of us is going through it's probably not that bad <laughs> no by comparison like what am i complaining about <laughs> right right exactly oh my god whoa wow. so my hats <laughs> off today to ms hikate Inuka, whose name I probably mispronounced, but I think she's amazing, and I am a fan. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, and before before we get into the the place that we are in the book, um, we're we're still working on Money and the Law of Attraction by Jerry and Esther Hicks, and on the paperback, we'll be on page 76, but I wanted to say uh, first, really quickly, be sure just a quick announcement, unless you have any more, Walt, but no, be that's, sure to head over to LOAToday.net <laughs> and subscribe yes. and, and then share. And we are, we are building this, um, this audience and it's, it's really building and it's really great. And so when you're subscribing, you'll never miss an episode. Absolutely. In fact, you're also going to be among the select few who will find out how to get a free copy of this book that we're working on. That's almost oh, ready to be published. Yes. You're going to be able to get a free Kindle version of it. So, you know, keep paying attention and keep listening to the shows because you don't want to miss that. This book is going to be good. This this book is going to be talked about for years. So we are we are at this section. And after everything you just read from this um, this young woman in Denmark, who I cannot begin to even 
try to pronounce the name. Uh, <laughs> I've already butchered it twice, so we're okay. <laughs> right. But the uh, the section of the book is to reverse, and it has a question mark at the end. Yep. To reverse a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's that was a really appropriate story. It is because if any if anyone reversed a downward spiral, it's this it's young her. woman. That's right. Yeah. So. Wow. Do you, do you want me to read Jerry? Yeah, why don't you read the Jerry parts? Okay. So Jerry says, when I would see people having financial problems, I used to worry about them. I would watch as they spiraled down, down, down until they finally came crashing into bankruptcy. But then in a very short time, they would have another new boat, a new luxury car, and another beautiful home. In other words, no one I watched seemed to stay down, but why couldn't they stop the downward spiral somewhere earlier along the way and start back upward sooner? Why did so many of them have to go all the way to the bottom before they could start back up again? Oh, that's a good that's a good one because yeah, we always hear about that, right? People always say that most millionaires have lost everything at least once. <laughs> yeah, right. So Abraham says, the reason for any downward spiral is attention to lack. In their fear that they might lose something, or in their attention to things that they were losing, they were focused upon the lack of what they wanted, and as long as that was their point of attention, only more loss was possible. As they felt guarded or defensive, or as they began to justify or rationalize or blame, they were on the lack side of the equation, and only more lack could be their experience. But once they hit bottom and we're no longer in a place of guardedness because there's nothing else to lose, their attention shifted. And so their vibration shifted. And so their point of attraction shifted. Hitting what they believed to be the bottom caused them to begin to look up. You could say that it forced them to begin telling a different story. Your life experience has caused you to ask for many wonderful things that are making their way into your experience. But your worry or doubt or fear or resentment or blame or jealousy or any number of negative emotions would indicate that the predominant thoughts you were thinking were holding those things away. It would be as if you had drawn them right outside your door, but your door was closed. As you begin to tell a different story of the things you could buy with a $100 bill, as you relax and focus more upon the positive aspects of your life, as you more deliberately choose the better feeling end of the vibrational stick, that door will open and you will be flooded with manifestations of those wanted things and experiences and relationships. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful stuff. Especially I think it's interesting that, you know, um, this, this phrase where it says that hitting what they believed to be the bottom. That's the same thing I was on. I was on exactly the same point. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, after hearing this young woman's story, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I'm thinking, wow, because when you were reading it, I was like, can it get, okay, that's got to be it. And then there'd be something There's else. More. Like, oh. How can it be any worse? And so, you know, there is there is some point, I guess, where we think, Okay, it just can't get any worse, and <laughs> we think we've lost everything, uh, and then then we can shift our focus. But it, it's funny; every big shift comes after a big letting go. Yes, um, and and sometimes it it can be conscious, and it's what which we want. What it's what we're letting go of. We're like, this isn't serving me anymore. These thoughts, these beliefs, um, this relationship, this whatever it is that we need to let go of and when we don't we hold so tightly to things that sometimes they we end up losing them anyway because of the resistance and yep. because of the focus that's right i have i have talked to people before that really it would fall into the category of okay these people have more money than they know what to do with kind of thing like lots and lots of money much more money than than most of us will experience and the focus was still on lack. They were still worried about losing it, still worried about what if it stops coming in, still worried. And so, you know, having money does not prevent you from 
focusing on lack. That's right. That's exactly. I mean, right. I, I think that's what a lot of us feel like when we're in a spot where we don't have money. Is it well, if I if the money just came in, then I'd be okay. I wouldn't be so worried all the time. Oh, of course, yeah. But, but worry is a habit. It is. And so, tons of money can come in, and and we can still be in the habit of worrying. Now we're worrying not about when it's going to come, but if we're going to lose it, right? So. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So the focus is so important. The sentence that really caught my attention about hitting bottom was the one that said. Hitting what they believed to be the bottom caused them to begin to look up. Yep. And the reason that caught my attention is that I recall a number of times as I was going through my most difficult times, asking myself, where is bottom? And if I reach what I think is the bottom, how do I know there's not a worse bottom below it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which of course is very self-defeating, but nevertheless, that's what I thought. And mm-hmm. then I would hit up what I, I thought of as a bottom. I said, okay, this must be bottom. I can't go any lower. And because I wasn't looking up, I went lower. <laughs> and then yeah. I hit a new bottom. I said, oh, well, this must be it. But I still couldn't look up. For, for whatever reason, I couldn't bring myself to focus on where it was I wanted to get to. All I could think about is I keep hitting bottom. It wasn't until I let go of the idea of I'm hitting bottom that I finally looked up. And when I looked up, that's when things started to improve. Amazing, because that's what you suddenly were focused on. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that sentence caught my attention. Hitting what they believed to be the bottom caused them to begin to look up. Well, it only causes you to look up if you choose to look up. You got to do the looking up part. That's yeah, the most well, you, important you gotta part. You got to stop digging. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop digging, right? <laughs> if you're in a hole, continuing to focus on the bottom of the hole and digging down deeper is not going to get you closer to getting out, right? It doesn't. No. So we we continue with the section a war against war is war. And Abraham says recognizing that you are the creator of your own life experience And learning to deliberately do so by directing your thoughts is an adjustment for most people because most have long believed that you make things happen through action. Not only have you erroneously believed that action is what makes things happen, but you have also believed that if you apply pressure to an unwanted things, they will go away. Yes. That's why you have a war against poverty and a war against drugs and a war against AIDS and a war against terrorism. And although you may believe that pushing against these unwanted things will cause them to leave your experience, that is not how the laws of the universe work. And that is not the proof of your experience, for all of those wars are getting bigger. Attention to the lack of what is wanted causes it to increase and come closer to you, just as focusing upon what is wanted causes it to increase and come closer to you. When you relax into your natural well-being, when you make statements such as, I seek abundance and I trust the laws of the universe, I've identified the things that I want, and now I'm going to relax and allow them into my experience. More of what you desire will come. If your financial situation feels like a struggle, you are pushing your financial well-being farther away. But when you begin to feel ease regarding your financial situation, you are then allowing more abundance to flow into your experience. It really is as simple as that. And so when you see others excelling in their attraction of money and you feel negative emotion about it, that is your signal that your current thought is not allowing the abundance that you desire into your experience. When you find yourself critical of the way anyone has attracted or is using money, you are pushing money away from yourself. When you realize that what others do with money has nothing to do with you and that your primary work is to think and speak and do what feels good to you, then you will be in alignment, not only about the subject of money, but about every important subject in your physical experience. Why is it, do you think, that we have, so many of us have so much trouble so much more trouble aligning ourselves where the subject of money is concerned than we do with anything else. 
Uh, because I, I mean, my opinion on that is because money is so ever present and necessary in the world we live in. I mean, pretty much every single thing that we need to to do or to have is going to take some money. And so I think it's just because it's it's always an issue. And when you don't have it, it really feels like it's always an issue. Mm, yeah. And, and yet, as Abraham has said, and as Abraham, as uh, Wendy likes to point out um, repeatedly, uh, it's just as easy to attract a button as it is a castle. <laughs> I have such a great story about that. Do you? <laughs> one day, um, one day I was really having a struggle, and. I don't think it was over money. It was just there were some things going on and I was just down in the dumps and we were going to, we have a standing date for Friday lunch and we were going to Friday lunch and we were sitting at lunch and getting ready. We were, we had finished and we were getting ready to walk out of the restaurant and then into the next building, which is a place where we get coffee after lunch. It's kind of what we do on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what we said to each other, but we, we said to each other, like, and we started, la- we, we, we actually pivoted is what we did. Looking back, I realized that we said, you know, said, everything's going to be fine. We know everything's going to be fine. You know, we're, we're loved and we love each other and, and everything is good. And this too shall pass. And you know what? Good luck, bad luck. Who knows? And we kind of <laughs> were encouraging each other with all the things that we know, right? Right. And focusing on it's going to be okay. And I said, you know, it's just as easy to manifest a button as it is a castle, right? So let's just do it. And we got up and we walked out of the restaurant and we were passing a cafe table that was outside. And this is really funny because I always find money and playing cards. Like I find playing cards everywhere. Really? In the street. Pumping gas, look down, playing card at my foot. <laughs> Standing in the grocery line, look down. Oh, there's a playing card. But I just, I've, I've always, I have a bowl of them right here in my office. Wow. Um, and he always finds shiny things. Like jewelry, most of the time junk jewelry, but you know, shiny things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, a sparkly earring on the ground. Right. And as we walk past that table, something caught his eye and he turned around and he looked and I said, what, did you see something? What happened? And he reached, he walked back and he reached and he, it was just an empty table sitting there and on the table was a button and the button had my initial on it. Ooh. (laughs) After I had just said, we encouraged each other. It's just as easy to manifest a castle as it is a button. (laughs) Well, then that means you just had to think more about the castle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we laughed about it and it was awesome and i and i um i actually made a bracelet out of the button oh did you really button. oh that's great <laughs> yeah so that was fun okay. that is fun <laughs> it, it is something though how i mean theoretically we know i mean as law of attraction practitioners who are really studying the subject and really trying to apply it in our lives, we know that there is no difference between attracting a button and a castle. And yet, <laughs> and yet there's still that side of us that says the castle is so much harder than the button. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, and I'm not sure that this book will uh, mention it, but I have, I think I've heard, I know that I've heard law of attraction people mention it. And that's, you know, encouraging people to start like, Finding if you find a penny in the street, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go on a walk and you find a nickel or a penny to to appreciate it and to mm. be happy because money's just money. It doesn't matter the denomination. Well, people are always finding pennies. Mm-hmm. My sister used to find all the time, like hundred dollar bills, fifty dollar bills, wads of cash. <laughs> really. Like, she was just in the grocery store parking lot one time, and here's like a wad of cash with a rubber band around it. Just oh, like geez, somebody the lost their oh, they lost their money roll. Wow. <laughs> and it's one of those things that you know, do you take it inside of somewhere and say, "Here's this roll," you know? Um, I don't know. 
I don't yeah, know that, what that, she did with it. That's a that's a hard one. How do you find the owner of that one without giving away what it is you found so that somebody can say, "Oh yeah, I lost that." <laughs> yeah. Or you know, I mean, plenty of times a $5 bill. I remember being in a parking lot one time and a $5 bill just sort of blew into the car. Like it was really the wind was blowing and it was just, so, you know, how do you return that? Yeah. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just, you know, a gift, <laughs> but anyway, and I think it's funny that a lot more people are finding pennies than they're finding, you know, and yet nuggets. every once in a while you hear the story about the guy who's the homeless guy who finds like a, a, a suitcase full of money with the the business card of the person who who it belongs to, and he returns it to the person. He's homeless. He could use that money more than anybody else. He returns it to the person. That that that's like an incredible level of honesty. And then you, often what happens with those stories is you hear how the person actually bestowed even more wealth on him than what was in the bag or something like that. It's it, it, it's an amazing thing what happens when we let go of the fear of money. Because oh, that's what yes. it is. That's really what all it is. Whenever we're saying that the the uh, the castle is harder to attract than the button, what we're really saying is we're afraid. And it's, it's actually always, the fear. I mean, that that fear that fear holds so many things away from us. And that's why I said it's and it's not always when we're you know, in lack. There are people who neither one of us would think they're in lack. They're not in lack and yet they still have those fears. So mm-hmm. When we let go of the fear of it, of either direction, yeah. some people are afraid of success as much as they're afraid of failure. Sure, yeah, it can work either way. But the point is, it's all fear. That that's that's one of those things that I try to both remember and not let it rule my life, and on the other hand, not think a whole lot about because I don't want to attract more of it. <laughs> it. But it's true. The the fact is that any time that we're not attracting what we want to attract in the way we want to attract it. We're not focused enough on it. We're more focused on the lack. We're not vibrating enough to it. We're not, uh, you know, building up the the excitement and, and the feeling of it. You know, the the feeling of the thing before it's shown up. We're not doing all those kinds of things, and we are in a really tempting place to start believing in the lack and to start fearing the lack, and the fear drags us back down. And yet, we can reverse that any time that we recognize all I got to do is get into that good feeling place about, what's the, the Neville Goddard phrase? Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, yeah. I mean, that's And really, that's I think the important part that sometimes we miss is that the ability to enjoy it. Like, I've actually had people say to me, I don't want to enjoy, I don't want to enjoy it if it's not here. I don't want to be off in some fantasy land where what I want really hasn't happened, but I'm just feeling good thinking about it. I want the thing to happen. And it's like at some point when you recognize that, no, I'm fine with enjoying, enjoying it before it's here. That unlocks everything. It does. In fact, to me, there's like a cautionary tale in there because if we decide that we don't want to feel it before it's here, we only want to wait till it's here so we can feel it. It's amazing how often those of us who put that requirement in place, even if something shows up, we still don't feel it. Or don't see it when or it shows up. Or don't see it. Yeah, even worse. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. You're right. How many times do people say, oh, I really felt that I wanted that. And then when I got it, I didn't really want it. Um, or or the, I did want it, but I just kind of shrugged it off like, oh, yeah, well, it was supposed to come here. I, I'm done. <laughs> So yeah, I think that that's I think that's the piece, and that's the part of the whole idea of pivoting. Is <clears throat> there is a fuller, richer experience in that pivot that we need to go for? Mm-hmm. It, it's not just you know deciding what we want and focusing on it, but it's figuring out what it's going to give us and how we're going to feel and tapping into that feeling now. That and and it's it's an amazing thing to do. I remember doing that over and over at some point with something that I was wanting, and I got to the place where I was just so much enjoying that part of the process. It's like fun to think about it 
and to feel what it was going to feel like and to enjoy those feelings and emotions of success of it. And at that point, you've, you've got it. It can't not come to you at that point. There's an interesting thing here, too, that I don't want to skip over because it has actually occurred in the, in the course of our conversation here. I wonder how many of our readers, or of our listeners, rather, can remember what the title of this subsection was. I suspect many of them can't. And that shows just how powerful focus is because in the last few minutes, we've been really focusing on the positive stuff. This was actually a negative session. It was or a section about stuff that many people would consider to be negative. A war against war is war. But look what it turns into when we shift our attention. It turns into something where we even forgot about the whole idea of war. It just right. it escaped our heads entirely. How much more evidence do we need that shifting our attention and pivoting can make a huge difference? There is a gigantic example of it. Yeah. No, seriously. And actually, I'm really glad that they mentioned this because it's really important. And we do see it in our society. We do see the war on drugs and the war on this and the war on that and the war on, you know, everything. And it's so much more important to go further than just fighting against something, but deciding what it is you actually want and then promote that thing you want. So instead of being against the war, being for peace, you know, there's a difference. There's a gigantic difference. It's a huge difference. And we can't find that thing if we're still fighting against the other thing. It's the same exact concept here is that we need to change the focus. So yeah, see how we did that? We just talking about the better feeling experience. We we really don't do ourselves any favor every time that we talk about or think about the war on poverty or the war on drugs or the war on AIDS or the war on terrorism or the war on anything. Just by framing it that way, we're setting ourselves up to be stuck to it. We really yeah. need to change the way we, 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 we emote about it, which starts yeah. with the words, and it starts with changing the words around. I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to be for the things that we want to see happen yeah. <laughs> instead so, of against the things that we don't want to see. So if I was going to go through that list, how would I re- reverse it? I would say, well, I actually favor abundance for all. I favor yeah. people uh, feeling good in their lives so they don't feel like they need to anesthetize themselves. I favor a world of complete health, and I favor a world of peace and, and people who just love enjoying life together, which is – those are four inner- different ways, completely different ways of saying what was originally said. I'm against a war on poverty. I'm, a, I have, I'm fighting a war on drugs. I'm fighting a war on AIDS. I'm fighting a war against terrorism. I mean completely yeah. different feeling. Yeah. It totally was when you read that, when you, when you, when you verbalized that list of being for things, being for abundance and being for peace and being for health. And it's just a totally different feeling. And when you, that's wh- what we need to focus on in our own that. lives, as well as what we bring to the world. That, that's the basic message of, of the law of creation. You create by getting yourself in the good feeling place. So if you want to get rid of all that stuff, Stop focusing on getting rid of that stuff and focus on the place you want to get to because look how much different it is. It's so so different and so much more powerful. Yeah, and when you can move past just the you know, the the knowledge of what we don't want is the very beginning. It's like step one, and it, we have to move past that. And it's not an important just, step. You not have, just stand you have to there on that, that hill and fight, right? We have to yeah. push forward into what we do want. And then from there, there's a further place to go. That's right. There's and nothing wrong with starting with, this is what I don't want. Just, contrast is always going to yeah. assist us. In it's it's very useful. I definitely don't want war. I agree with that. I just don't want to stay on that point <laughs> because I don't want to attract more of it. I want to move off of it. So it's great that I identified I don't want war. Good. Okay. we got a starting point. Now, what do you want? And we can do that with every single thing, big or small, that we decide we don't want. Yeah. We, ha- we have to do it in order to, to open up the possibility of having the thing we want. That's right. So tapping into, and I love doing it. I, I really, um, if we can get in touch with our feelings and our emotions and recognize how we feel in our body, like pay attention to how we feel in our body. Mm-hmm. I read something this morning. I was trying to find it. Um, it was from 
Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird, which is a book on writing, but it was a phrase that talked about um, not hanging out with people who make you hold your breath or something like that. I would okay. never have worded any of it that way uh, <laughs> because I feel like I'm in control. But there's a saying, there's a Buddhist saying, I believe, that's, that's when you're in, when you own your breath, no one can steal your peace. Oh, nice. That's good. Right. And so we've talked about this before, how easy it is when we get, because shallow breathing, stress is actually a symptom of shallow breathing. So when we can be present and breathe and pay attention to what we're feeling in our body, that guidance system is there. When we feel constricted or restricted or, you know, like we're holding our breath or any of those uncomfortable things we feel when we think about or experience something we don't want. If we can pay attention to that and then we can recognize how good we feel in our body when we start tapping into the, the feelings we're going to have when we accomplish that thing or attract that thing, it's such a much better feeling place, even physically. It's not just about thoughts, but we, those thoughts affect how our body feels. Oh, immensely. The physical side of this is huge in my mind because that's where we feel. Without a physical body, there's no feeling going on. You exactly. Can't, you can't do it with you got. That's what the physical body helps us with more than anything else. It helps us to feel. So right. uh, how so we feel like is critical. Yeah. Well, the pivot, the pivoting when we do it, when we really go for it, and we move beyond what we don't want into what we want, but go further with it. Yes. And spend a moment enjoying that feeling. See, we we all think we want things only because of how we think they'll make us feel. True. We don't want them for any other reason. So if we can tap into that feeling now, it's so much fun and it feels so great. Why not do it? <laughs> why keep fighting a war <laughs> against that thing you don't want? Or perhaps another way to say it is why do it? Because it will come. Because yeah. that's how you bring it into your life. Because that's how you, that's how you experience it regularly every single day instead of as an occasional wish. So I'm curious, the next the next section. Yeah, the next one's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like a little can, dialogue. Can, yeah, can we succeed without talent? Yeah, and, uh, talent is one of those words where I, I, I feel like it's a very nebulous word. I don't think it has a whole lot of meaning, but that's just my take on it. So I, well, let's just read it and, and let's see what they have to say and we can discuss it afterward. Jerry says... What bearing does talent or skill or ability have on bringing abundance or money into our lives? And Abraham says very little. Those are all action aspects for the most part. And your action is responsible for but a minuscule part of what comes to you. Your thoughts and words, words or thoughts articulated, are the reason your life unfolds as it does. So Jerry asks, so then would you say that people with no saleable skill or talent could still receive all the financial abundance they want in their lives? Absolutely. Unless in comparing themselves to others and concluding that they have no saleable skill or talent, they feel diminished and therefore defeat their own experience with their own negative expectation. The most valuable skill that you could ever develop is the skill of directing your thoughts toward what you want to be adept at quickly evaluating all situations and then quickly coming to the conclusion of what you most want and then giving your undivided attention to that. There is a tremendous skill in directing your own thoughts that will yield results that cannot be compared with results that mere action can provide. So one of the things that happens here is that Abraham kind of shrugs off the whole thing about talents and skills and abilities. Well, I was going to say when we, when you first said, you know, you felt like talent was kind of nebulous. Um, it is. And it's, you know, it can be my opinion of talent is different than someone else's. There's no real how to nail it down. But what, what I, what entered my head when I read that, can we succeed without talent and heard you say that was that we can probably just fill in the blank the word talent with whatever we want. Mm. Um, you know, in other words, we have beliefs that were put there by 
who knows? And sometimes those beliefs stop us in our tracks. I remember one of my first clients that I ever had um, wanted to be a a stylist, a fashion stylist. And Mm -hmm. the thing that was the belief that was stopping her wasn't wasn't that she had no talent because she's very talented, but it was that she didn't have a college degree. Ah. And so in her mind, she was like, well, I don't know how I could, you know, be successful with this. Like I didn't, I didn't finish college. Mm -hmm. And I thought I didn't say it, but in my head, it was like, I was shaking my head like, wow, you know, how many people would never have that thought? Right. But it might be something else. It's like, well, this job requires energy and I don't feel healthy or I don't have this or I don't have that. Whatever it is they thought they needed. I'm not talented enough, gifted enough, young enough, old enough, experienced enough, whatever it is. Um, I gave her an assignment to go find three highly successful people in the field she wanted to be in that didn't have a college degree. Oh, And she did her homework and her research and she came back just totally fired up because she had discovered that there were more than three people who who were in the field she wanted to work in that were highly successful and none of them had gone to college. And that belief was just shattered. Mm -hmm. Didn't need that limiting belief anymore. I also want to point out that, I mean, Abraham in a sense seem to have dissed talents and skills and ability, but really they didn't do that. What they said was it doesn't have anything to do with attracting money because really having talents or skills or abilities or whatever you want to call them, that's great because that's one of the ways that you create in this life. That's one of the ways that you live your life in a way that, that excites you and satisfies you, you know, particularly if it is something that satisfies you or excites you. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing those things. In fact, doing those things can be a very good thing. What Abraham's trying to say is that's not where the pivot point is for whether or not money's going to come. Well, you it d- reminds me of the classic book, um, The Science of Getting Rich, mm-hmm. which I've read many times. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, that's what happens in the beginning. I mean, it's a short book if you've read it, but that's what happens at the beginning of that book is what gets pointed out is all of the reasons that people think, you know, they do or don't have money and how none of them are valid, Mm -hmm. you know, like education. Look, we can all think of people that have money or have no problem bringing in money and don't have the education right? or people that don't work as hard as other people who don't have as much, or, you know, they talk about location. No, if location was it, then there would be, whole locations of people where no one was successful and other locations where everyone is successful. But we know that's not the case. That's right. Um, And they go through this, you know, Wallace Waddles, the the author goes through a list of, of all these things and none of them are the, the case. And so education and talent and skill, Hey, I'm all for it. I love going to school. I love taking classes. I love honing my skills. I love learning new things. I love it. And I'm a lifelong learner and will never stop. And yet that's not, I'm not doing it in a way of like, well, I have to do this if I ever want to make money. That's not the case. Exactly. They're not even connected. I just learned because I like to learn. That's exactly it. But you think back, I don't know if you did, but I heard this growing up so much and not not just to me, I heard it being said to other people and that was that you have to do well in school. Yeah. (laughs) So that so that you can get a good job so that you can make a lot of money. And it's such a false statement. <laughs> it, it's completely false. It is wrong to say it, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, that's my preference, but uh, I prefer to say that's the wrong thing to say. I think it misleads people terribly because it, it creates a deliberate mental connection that does not otherwise exist. And that mental connection is the way you're going to be able to survive in life is by developing your talent or skill or ability. And it's simply not true. Developing your talent or skill ability does not make you successful in life. Well, it, it, you know, it, 
it might seem like it to some people, but it doesn't guarantee it. And that's the thing. It's it's that we should still develop our skills and talents. We sure. should still oh, yeah. learn all we can. But that thing and just doing that thing does not guarantee it doesn't. anything. No. No. In fact, guarantee actually gives it more power than it deserves. Skills and talents and, and abilities are how we create in life. And creation is terrific. I mean, it's not how we create. I shouldn't say that. It is a part of how of, of what's involved when we create. We create with our thoughts first and foremost, and then we take actions, and those actions involve our talents and skills and abilities. But it's not the talents or skills and abilities themselves that do the creating, and it's certainly not the talents or skills or abilities themselves that bring in remuneration, being paid for what it is that we do. And And I really do hammer on this because... This message that talents, skills, and abilities, that you have to develop those in order to get money, not only paints a false picture, it sets a false set of assumptions. So that even when you do achieve success, you believe that you achieved that success because you developed your talent or your skill or ability. Not because you had the right mindset. Not well, because... Or, and then there's the flip side. You know, I always talk about the concept of deserving, which I'm... Deserving, I'm, yes. I'm opposed oh. to that concept, right? So <laughs> um, I think we're all worthy of good things, abundance, health, happy relationships. I think we're worthy of that. But deserving is a different concept. And that's like... So the the part you're talking about, the that side of the coin is I... I worked so hard yes, and that's going to guarantee me and then no, it doesn't. Right. And then, so if we get it, then we think that we deserve it. But what if we don't get it? What about the people who are like, I've worked so hard developing my skills and talents and still I'm not financially successful. And under the model that we're taught, there's the flip side. The flip side of dessert is guilt or not guilt, blame. So you either deserve it or you blame it. You know, you deserve the blame or I deserve the, the, the benefit. It's always deserve well, or blame. And, and, that's, and at that that's point, you so say, what's wrong crazy. with me? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. You blame yourself. You're yes. like, I did all the right things and it didn't happen. So something must be wrong with me or this isn't fair because I worked hard and I deserve it. It just it doesn't it doesn't work in our favor <laughs> ever. I mean, the the deserve blame scenario, which society has built up, is so counterproductive that it, it's mind-blowing. And, and it, there, there are really two concepts we need to get rid of as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> Desert and blame are just holding so many people back because it basically blocks us from focusing on what we really need to focus on in order to get to the point where we're experiencing life the way we want to. All because we're so wrapped up in pointing fingers. Well, this is my my favorite part of that section was just this one line. And it's it's a it's a great thing to to take with us as we leave the podcast today. And it's that the most valuable skill you could ever develop is the skill of directing your thoughts toward what you want. Yes. Right. Yes. It's that pivot. And just it takes practice. It I can't tell you. But, you know, I've been doing it since the beginning of the year or less, maybe less time with, with like more intensity, the, the pivot. Good for you. And, and it's becoming so easy for me and it's an enjoyable activity in my life at this point, which is funny because pivoting starts from contrast. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But I'm loving it because I can almost instantly and very quickly pivot and start assuming that feeling of the wish, which is an enjoyable thing to do. That's a wonderful thing, and it's certainly what I'm working on doing, too, and I, I hope all of our listeners are doing it because we want everybody to have that full, abundant, rich, enjoyable, exciting, desirable life because that's how you get there. So we'll, we'll have to leave it there, but Cindy, this has been great, and as usual, I'm always kind of sad because we won't talk for another six days, but boy, am I glad we're talking again in six days. <laughs> well, we'll talk again on Tuesday, and until then, everyone, keep that pivot going. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.